Super Talk Mississippi media production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Sander. We're in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg this afternoon, and uh, we're very glad that you're with us. Got a great show for you today. Athletic Director Jeremy McLean going to be joining us here in just a moment. Former punter Peter Bame. On the Eagle Hour as well. What a great week and a few days we've got in store for you. Former football coach Larry Fedora, along with Patrick McGee on the show Friday. Austin Davis Monday. Reggie Collier Tuesday. And uh, so we're off and running here in the summer. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and the Eagle Hour. And we appreciate their support and hope that the next time you have a taste for barbecue, you make sure it's Dickey's. Always glad to have the athletics director for the University of Southern Mississippi, Jeremy McLean, on the Eagle Hour. He's always willing to join us. And, uh, Jeremy, uh, good to hear from you, and thank you again. We appreciate you guys having me, as always. And I was uh, just listening to that list of guests you got over the next few days. That's pretty strong right there. So I guess you guys are starting at the bottom and working your way. Oh, no, we're very happy to have you. (laughs) I know you're going to probably be a part of what we're going to be talking to Coach Fedora about is uh, we understand there's going to be a reunion of the 2011 conference championship team later uh, this year when football uh, rolls around. So I'm sure you'll be involved in that. Yeah, excited about that, and we're we're still working out a few details. We'll hope to announce that to to everybody pretty soon. But definitely look forward to getting that group, very special team, getting that group back together and celebrating their success. Uh, yeah, what a, what a great team it was. All right, Jeremy, lots to talk to you about. Uh, the first is, I guess, the big elephant in the room, and that's all the the changes that we've seen here recently in college athletics. I'm, I'm really curious to get your input. Let me kind of set the stage here. A few articles that I, that I pulled off various uh, websites today. Uh, in Miami, a business owner there has announced that he is going to do an endorsement with every single player on their roster Miami football, that is, uh, could total $500,000. Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback, has signed a big endorsement deal with Milo's T. Here's the stunning one. Incoming freshman basketball player Hersey Miller at Tennessee Tech signs a $2 million endorsement deal with Web Apps America Technical Company. That young man is the son of rapper Master P., and I read right before we go on the air where Mississippi State baseball player Tanner Allen is now selling autographed baseball cards of himself on his website. It seems that we're really seeing a change in college athletics. And uh, as a former college uh, athlete yourself and now the athletic director at the university, your thoughts about all this, Jeremy? Is this, is this a good thing or does this concern you about uh, the future of amateur athletics? Um, so that's a little bit of a loaded question for me. I, does it concern me? I, I do have some concerns, uh, but maybe not for the reasons you would think. I, I want to make sure that our student athletes are protected. I think there are a lot of people out there who uh, will take advantage of situations, and, and so we have to be very careful, careful, and 
educate them on on their opportunities and and how to do it the right way, and, and that's where we come in. That's our responsibility. Uh, I, I'm not. I do support our student athletes having the opportunity to utilize their name, image, and likeness. It's their face. It's their likeness. I support that, and and we want to make sure we do that the right way. But I do worry about what it can become. Um, because there are people out there who want to take advantage of the situation or not play by the rules, so to speak. And, and uh, so I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, this is going to be very fluid. Um, we're going to, I think, as an industry, have to evaluate where we are in six months, in a year, and, and maybe make some adjustments. And so the heart of the rule I am for, I just have some concerns about how we control all the, 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 the outside influences and forces that you know, are going to be pulling out our student-athletes. Because would it be unrealistic for, hypothetically, a car dealership at SEC School XYZ to come along and say, we're going to give every player on the team a brand-new Camaro? It's possible, yes. Within, within the rule, it's possible. Now, what the, what the uh, law in the state of Mississippi says, and which is what we, you know, we're, we're governed by right now, um, you know, is that, uh, it has, and, and actually the, the NCA guidelines say the same thing, but, you know, it needs to be market value. And so would market value for, you know, a third string lineman, would that line up with a new car? And so right now it's difficult to evaluate market value because there is no market. And, and so again, that's one of those things I think that will develop over time. And we'll have to begin to make some adjustments and, and say you can or can't do this based on the value of what you're receiving. But that's really difficult right now because, you know, out of the gate, it's hard to say, you know, what that market value is. Yeah, there's no precedent that they can look back on. That's right. Yeah. Jeremy, some people that we've talked to uh, indicate that, that they think it may hasten uh, the furthering split between the Power Five and the Group of Five. How do you, how do you look at that? Oh, I think there's, you know... Well, I, I think there's probably some truth to that that it could. I think I think there are plenty of opportunities uh, besides this for there to be a, a large gap and for that gap mm-hmm. to continue to grow. Um, but yeah, I think I think there are opportunities for you know sponsors at larger schools to to say, hey, we're, we're going to do this, or we're going to do that, and, and and be a little more enticing for a student athlete. Um, but we're already facing that. You know, we. We, we get up every day with facing some of those same challenges anyway. And so that's not, you know, that, that's, that's way down my list of concerns as far as, you know, what I'm concerned about with NIL. Um, you know, that, that gap could get a little bit wider and there could be some incentives there that uh, some of the uh, more highly resourced programs in the country could take advantage of. Mm-hmm. But that's way down my list of concerns. People in your in your career field, uh, fellow athletic directors around the state, Jeremy, did y'all see this coming? Were you taken back at all by the Supreme Court ruling, or did you expect this? Uh, well, not we were not surprised. Um, so, you know, I think I think we all knew this was coming. I think we knew that you know we were headed down this path. It's just a matter of when we would get there. Um, and so we've you know we've been preparing as much as you can prepare. We've been preparing for that. So it really was not a surprise. But it's, it's, again, one of those things that we're going to have to continue to educate. We're going to have to continue to adapt. So uh, not a surprise to us, but it'll be a situation where we have to continue to adjust as we move forward. And what it looks like a couple of years from now probably will not be what it looks like today. 
All right, tell us about INFLCR Verified, which we, we got yeah. a release that uh, was an organization that you've partnered with. Yeah, Influencer Verified. So Influencer is a group that we've been working with for a couple of years and really started out as a brand management uh, um, uh, group. And, and what it does for us is it allows our student-athletes access to our action photos and, and various uh, education pieces, and so they can, you know, after a game, they can go in and download our pictures and post something on their social media with a quality picture, and, and really try to. It, it was it was an education piece and social media, and giving them the tools to make smart decisions. You know, instead of trying to figure out what they want to put on social media, here here are some great photos, and so the photos you guys see are our, our football players or baseball players put out on their individual uh, social media pages come from us. We're, we've got a system where we feed those to them after the game. And so we really started down the path with Influencer that way. And then when we started kind of moving down this NIL path, we started having some discussions about them with them about, hey, you know, how do we, how do we address what's coming our way? And so uh, we have partnered with them or extended our partnership there to uh, do a couple things. The, the main focus will be the education aspect, and so they will help us educate our student-athletes on how to do this the right way. Um, they will also help us on the compliance front just in what's kind of happening in the market and how we how we keep an eye on things um, you know, that, that may or may not be difficult for us to manage. And so it really is an education piece, and they're going to help manage manage that process for us as we move forward and uh, so they've been great partners and, and we're excited about continuing that uh, continuing that partnership with them and jeremy mclean speaking of partnerships southern miss is in the beer business as a way to to drum up more revenue i mean we've always talked about how revenue yeah. is the bottom line on everything uh we had ben green from southern prohibition on the the show earlier this week tell us how that partnership uh, came about yeah, that was a conversation. Brad Smith did a lot of the uh, the, the legwork on that, and, and uh, we talked to Southern Prohibition early on about uh, you know creating a creating a signature beer, a Southern Miss beer that uh, you know that we could sell in the market and sell in the stadium, sell in in, in the community, and that kind of took off from there. And uh, you know we we had seen that in a couple of other places around the country where uh, people have been able to take a craft beer and, and really. Uh, brand it uh, from a from a university standpoint and from an athletic standpoint. So we were excited to move down the path. So thankful for Southern Pro and and them uh, partnering with us on that uh, project and look forward to being able to roll that out here in August. All right, Jeremy, if you'll hang on, we want to talk to you about football. It's just around the corner, and I know there's lots uh, lots on everybody's mind about the new football season, so uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeremy McLean, Athletics Director, University of Southern Mississippi. Going to talk Golden Eagle football right on the other side of this short break. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Great supporters of Southern Miss, this program, and a great place to buy Southern Miss apparel for your home, for your car, for your body. They're open six days a week. Kathleen is a charming, friendly, wonderful lady, and she'll help you any way she can 
at Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net. We're talking to Jeremy McLean, Athletic Director, University of Southern Mississippi. All right, Jeremy, let's start talking about some fun stuff. We're, we're less than... Uh, we're less than two months away from football season, and I have a couple thoughts about football I wanted to get your take on. Uh, really, the, the the first time in two years that we will go in in what I would classify as a normal environment. Obviously, COVID set us back a lot last year with uh, with I guess money and attendance. Yeah. With that in mind, how important is this football season from both? A ticket sales standpoint and a performance standpoint. I think it's it's critical, um, you know, and I don't I don't think that's overselling it. I think number one, there's a lot to be excited about. I, just getting back to 100 percent capacity and being able to to fill the stadium up, I think is going to be, you know, that that that's a that's a huge step. As you mentioned, everything we went through last year, and you know, in essence, it's, it's going to be two years since we've been able to do that, and and so thrilled about that opportunity but it but it really is important and and you know this year kind of getting our legs back under us we obviously got a new staff and we got a lot of uh, momentum and excitement uh, around the program right now and and so we want to take advantage of that season ticket sales are going really well you know we're we're um, already above uh, you know the last couple of years where we were and, and probably going to have the best year we've had in five or six years and so we're we're headed in a very positive direction on season ticket sales piece and we got Grambling in here for the first game and really expect that because they'll travel well and really expect that to be a game where, you know, we're going to fill up the rock and, and, and really be able to come out of the gate on a positive note. So it's going to be a big start to the season for us and, and uh, just really excited about, uh, about getting to that point. Is that going to be the formula moving forward in scheduling to try to bring in – uh, maybe a, a not a Division One opponent, but but an opponent that'll that'll draw very well, and then maybe play a you know a big money road game. That, that's what we try to do. Um, you know, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we have to make some adjustments, but we definitely want to get FCS teams that can travel um, that are within you know a, a three or four hour radius of us. That you know their folks are going to come and, and and buy tickets and come support their team, potentially bring their band. Because so, I just think from an atmosphere and a revenue standpoint, that makes the most sense for us. There may be a year or two where, you know, we have to do something a little bit different, but that's going to be what we try to do. And, uh, we've, we, and we've done a pretty good job over the next several years of, of sticking to that uh, formula. Jeremy McLean, once the Eagles beat Alabama this fall, are you fearful that Alabama will drop you from the schedule? Look, I, if, if if that happens, I will gladly not play them again for a while. No kidding, no kidding. We can celebrate that one for as long two as or three years, Jeremy. As long as that check clears, baby. You know, uh, hey, one of our uh, one of our listeners, Coach A, has texted in a coach uh, question for you, Jeremy. Wants to know uh, if you foresee any realignment with any of the conferences uh, mm-hmm. going forward the next year or two. Yeah, great question. Um, I do. You know, I I, I can't say that. This conference or that conference is is um, you know in jeopardy of facing some realignment. What what I can tell you is I do think there's some there is some behind the scenes shifting in some different conferences. You've seen it with the WAC and what they've done. You've seen it in some other non football leagues. A lot of things have happened over the last twelve months. But you know as far as uh, the FBS leagues, you know I, I do think eventually we're going to see some of that. Uh, I just don't know when that's going to happen. Whether it's going to be you know, over the course of the next two years, or whether that's five years down the road, but uh, you know, I do think you'll you'll begin to see some shifting 
um, in, in even in the FBS leagues uh, in the not-too-distant future. And there aren't a whole lot of openings on the schedule for football going forward. There are, there are limited dates, of course. But because of the geographic proximity of the Southland and the Sunbelt, is it reasonable to assume that, that maybe more Sunbelt and Southland teams could possibly be showing up on the schedule in the future? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something we want to try to do as long as it makes sense competitively and, and lines up, you know, scheduling philosophy-wise. That, like I said, I think we want to focus on trying to trying to match up with some regional opponents. Now, we've done some things different where, you know, we're going to Ohio State and, and some other, you know, going to Miami and some, some other uh, guarantee games to try to do something just a little bit different. But as far as our home and homes and our FCS games, we're really trying to stay within our footprint. Um, you know, as and Southland is a is a prime candidate, and the Sun Belt as well, as you mentioned, the American. We're always trying to talk to them about uh, about trying to get some games, um, you know, lined up from a home to home standpoint with them. So yeah, I think we want to stay within that footprint. I think it makes the most sense for us. Now, one of one of the sports late in the spring that was suffering through some tumult was the was the the softball program. Um, can you can you give us an update? Whatever comfortable you're, you're sharing about where the softball program is now, have things stabilized? Shall we say a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think I'll leave it at this. I think we've said what we need to say there from a softball perspective. But you know, I'm focused on trying to help them uh, continue to get better and, and be successful. And uh, so we're trying to trying to do that and provide the resources we need to to continue to move forward there but um other than that I've, i think we've said what we need to say okay let's go back to football for a minute jeremy one of the one of the teams that we heard some mumbling and rumors about uh, a couple of months back uh, that you might or may not have been talking to is the university of memphis is there anything you can share with us about that um <laughs> so i would love to i'd lo- <clears throat> love to see that happen and uh you know, and, I, and I'm hopeful that someday it will. I can't. I can't speak right now on whether that's a reality or whether it's going to happen or whether you know it. it you know, there's an 80 20 chance or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it's something we would love to see happen, and and uh, we'll we'll we want to continue the conversation and hopefully find the right years to make that happen. Because I think again, those are the kind of games that make sense for us, and so that's one I definitely would would love to see happen. So, but how far out do you have? I mean, when you look at your scheduling now, I assume. You're, you know, you've got your schedule largely made out a few years in advance. How difficult is it to do that, and how far in advance do you normally have to work on things like that? Well, I, I'm looking, uh, and, and this this will give you a good glimpse into this. I, I have my schedule pulled up at all times here on my computer. So uh, I, I was looking to see that right now the furthest we have a game scheduled is 2031. Um, and so you're talking about a decade out in some cases now we don't have we're not full in those years but right now we're we're really pretty full through you know we've got a couple openings here and there but really through 25 26 we're pretty full and um so we're working on years later in the decade right now now again there is an opening here or there but um, but we really are in most cases we're working four or five six years out. Well, since you have your schedule in front of you, can you can you share with the listeners some of the schools that that you see on that schedule? Well, all of the contracts are not signed yet, so I'm always hesitant to say here's what we're doing right, until we right. get uh, until we get those back signed. But we've obviously you know, and, and this is not new information, but we've got a great series with Tulane on the books. We've got another series with uh, you know with Troy on the books down the road. Uh, we're working with Mississippi State. Uh, we're, we're working with uh, South Alabama and trying to get something down the road. So 
again, the, the teams that really make sense for us and, and, and are going to bring value is where we want to try to focus our energy. And um, so, you know, feel good about where we're at and trying to kind of, you know, keep those regional rivalries alive. And, and you mentioned Miami and Ohio State. All I have to say about those schools is there goes their title chances. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. We hope so. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and I love uh, playing, you know, being able to play Alabama and Auburn in our backyard and people we've been pretty accustomed to playing. But I do think from a program standpoint, it's, it's, it's good to be able to kind of get outside of that sometimes. Right. And, and create some different experiences. And I think it, what it does in recruiting, it allows us to, to say, hey, here's who we're going to go play, and here's the opportunities you're going to have. Um, so I think, that, I think there's value in that. I just had one final question about the, the imaging and, and likeness issue. Can, can the school financially profit from any of this? We know the athletes can, obviously. But, but can the school get a buck or two out of these deals somehow legally? No. No, no. The, the, any of these agreements are, as a matter of fact, you know, our role is to try to stay out of it, other than to protect our student-athletes. And so, you know, the, the deals are brokered between the student-athletes and whatever third party happens. And uh, so we are, we are you know, our, our incentive, incentive is to not be in the middle of it. So we're not in a position to, to you know, bring in any revenue from – name, image, and likeness, at least as it stands today. But would you not, Jeremy, at least have a say in, and I'm just using a hypothetical situation, if a, if a player was endorsed by a business that was, you know, borderline illegal or seedy or something that would not necessarily fit the moral fabric of the, of the campus where, where it sits, couldn't the school say, look, dude, you, you, you just can't sign with, those, with that group or that, that, well, that business? Yeah, one of the things that uh, Mississippi did well in our law was that we did outline the industries that student athletes are not allowed to partner with. Uh, and um, you know, I'm not gonna sure. I'm not gonna rattle off the list because sure. I don't want to offend anyone. But you can understand sure. you know, some of the industries that that. Uh, so that was some foresight on uh, our folks in Jackson, and, and, and some of that happened because of conversations with our with us. But uh, but yeah, that protects our Mississippi, at least our Mississippi student athletes from extending themselves in a way that could be harmful. Jeremy, always great conversations with you. We're always very grateful that you'll come on the Eagle Hour. We look forward to talking to you again really soon. I appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right, Jeremy McLean, everybody, the athletic director at the University of Southern Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to talk to a player from that 2011 conference championship team. Big reunion planned for that great squad, and we'll be talking to that player next. I want to thank A.D. Jeremy McLean for joining us in the first segment of the show. Always good to uh, get his input. Very interesting conversation about the changing face of uh, college athletics, and we appreciate his time as always. This segment sponsored by our good friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill, where they have great plate lunches uh, five days a week and great food all weekend long and in the evenings. Always the uh, game of your choice is on one of the TVs, and the guys are always glad to see you at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Our next guest played on the 2011 uh, Conference USA Championship football team, one of the best Southern Miss football teams in history. Peter Bain was a punter 
for Larry Fedora, who will be on the show, by the way, tomorrow. I want to remind you about that again. And uh, we're glad to have Peter on the show. And Peter, uh, uh, we're going to be talking uh, to Coach Fedora tomorrow about this as well. But you guys are going to have a pretty special reunion of that fine football team uh, a little later in the fall. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. You know, we're going to uh, November the sixth game against North Texas. We're going to we're going to have a little uh, reunion for all the 2011 team that can make it back. Um, we're going to try to have a little something Friday night dinner, and then uh, Saturday we'll be tailgating in front of the Duff Athletic Center. We'll have a big tent out there, and everybody um, can come, um, stop by, see us, maybe get some autographs. There's going to be some legends um, back. We. We waited to, to pick the date for it to see if the Seahawks would have a bye week, uh, so Austin could make it back. That was kind of the, the big a big pull. He, you know, um, obviously he was, uh, you know, the, the captain of that team, and um, it means a lot that he'll be able to make it back for it. So Good it's going to be fun. What are the chances that Coach Fedora will be drinking Red Bulls all weekend? Yeah, I think Red Bull maybe with another little clear substance in there might have. Uh, <laughs> Something else going on. Hey, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun, um, lot to celebrate type weekend. Uh, Ten years since we've all been in the same same room together, and um, you know a lot of guys you know gone off and, and done some some things. So it'll be nice to, to check in on everybody. And we're gonna be talking to Coach Fedora tomorrow, and Austin's gonna be on the show Monday. So he he was a pretty good quarterback, now wasn't he? Yeah, he was all right. He was all right. He. Uh, <laughs> He did okay for us. He's uh, he's got a clipboard now, so uh, right. you know. Right. <laughs> All right. You punted on that fine team. It was an interesting stat I talked to you a little bit about before you came on the air. 2011 Hawaii Bowl. You and Nevada punter Jake Hirsch. You combined for the most punts in college bowl history. 17 punts between you guys. You kicked the ball eight times. Uh, how extraordinary was that day? Yeah, you know, um, I didn't get to play a whole lot during that 2011 season. I, I, I think I only had about 37 registered punts, which is which is really low when you talk about 14 games, uh, 14 game season, especially when eight of them came in, in one game. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of like the lull, I guess, of uh, having a week in Hawaii, and um, you know, me begging AD to play more. I, I, I every week I'd say, man, let me play some, let me, let me play, and. Uh, he said, "Man, Peter, my goal is to keep you off the field." So, you know that was uh, that was kind of the mo for that year, and um, having having that many in Hawaii to kind of cap it off was pretty fun, especially since we got the win. Was the fact that that he wanted you off the field an indicator that our offense was really that good, or that he didn't want to put you in the game because you'd screw it up, Peter? Man, <laughs> which 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 was No, it? no, it was it was that uh, it was that we wanted to be kicking field goals instead of punting. Ah. Yeah. But, but you know, most most punters are just really good athletes. You know, overall, and you look yeah. at some of these guys in the NFL punters who've got yep. bigger arms than some of the defensive tackles. Um, yep. Coming up through your career, what other positions did you play, and how did you, how did you settle in at the punter position on that team? Well, I, I try to tell people this, Bob. Punter is is easily the best athlete on the field. I mean, every time they go out there, they <laughs> they touch the ball. They touch the ball every time. It's snap. They're a fourth down quarterback. So, no, I was fortunate. I went to a big six day school in Birmingham, and uh, going into my junior year, I, asked, I I played linebacker a little bit and and a little bit of fullback. But uh, I, I asked if I could, you know, focus on punting. I thought I could 
to it in college, and uh, fortunately, you know, we had plenty of linebackers and fullbacks, and they uh, they let me focus on it, and just went to some camps and kind of settled in. You know, um, I didn't play start playing football until I was a little bit older, um, going into high school. So it was uh, it was just being able to be out there, and um, you know, I, I wasn't blessed with much, much size, so um, my mom definitely liked that I was the kicker didn't get didn't have to wear a mouthpiece too many times one of my one of my pet peeves because i do public address for different schools around south mississippi and one of my pet peeves is public address announcers that don't take the time to go down the roster and ask about pronunciations of last names to make sure that they get it correct how many yeah. times did, the, did you go to a stadium and have a pa announcer mispronounce your last name because it certainly is pronounced a lot differently than it's spelled yeah, and um, you know we we we're spoiled here at Southern Miss. Honestly, we have one of the best, and and John Cox, and I think he did a really good job of of meeting with those other guys. And there were a few times where they asked me, but um, very seldom did they did they mistake it. And I think John good. did did a good job of making sure they got it right. Because for the record, it's it's what B O E H M E. Yeah, B O E H M E. Oh, yeah. so there's an there's an E after the okay. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. All and right. funny, funny story on that, uh, Fedora, my, uh, before our first game against Alcorn State, um, I was a true freshman, and, and uh, I think Fedora was more nervous than I was for our first game. And for me, when I had to punt, I mean, just an 18-year-old kid coming in and, uh, and, and having to do it in front of 37,000 because Alcorn packed it in. It was a full house. And uh, he asked me, he said, you think you can go the whole year without anybody knowing your name? And I was like, they can't pronounce it anyways. I'm, I, that's the goal. So. <laughs> All right, Peter, I'm going to put you on the spot. Describe in one word Larry Fedora. I mean, the first word that comes to mind is consistent. He, I think that's his, his middle name. And that's one thing that uh, playing for him for three years and being able to pull from that experience and that, that time of my life and, and just staying the course, being consistent, trusting in the process, day in and day out, trying to win the day. Um, that's Larry Fedora to me. I mean, he's he's an example of that, and and you you have a good plan in place. You trust it, and you get after it every single day from sun up to sun sundown. You won't be disappointed at the end, and that's that's kind of what 2011 was for us, you know. Yeah, and I like to ask everybody that was on that 2011 this team this this question. You go out to Houston. Uh, nobody gave you a chance in the media, except around here, of course, to win the game. I, I remember on ESPN, it was just the whole pregame was Houston, 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 Houston. Right. How, the, how quickly into the game could you guys look into the eyes of the Houston players and realize they were thinking, oh, my word, they're going to kick our... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's funny, because uh, I've often thought about that, and uh, it... Honestly, looking back, it was probably really early when they had that look in their eyes that they were they were up against us and we weren't we weren't going down that day. But it, truthfully, in, in going back to the actual game, you know, back in uh, ten years ago, it was it wasn't until Ronnie Thornton got a late fourth quarter interception with like two and a half minutes left where we took a deep breath on the sideline. We were pedaled to the floor the whole day, and it was like. We were blowing them out, but no, but you wouldn't be able to tell it by being on our sideline, you know. Until we um, dumped the cooler on Fedora, it was it was everybody was was locked in for the whole time, and um, yeah, we we just kept pounding them. I mean, that was. But but there was a moment, wasn't there? And some of your teammates have said this to us as well. 
there was a moment early in the game that you could look in their faces and tell that they knew this was likely not going to turn out like they had thought it would. Yeah. I mean, they were going backwards. We were, we were, it was like we had 13 guys on the field uh, when we were on defense and offense. It was, it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was just the, like the whole thing, the whole, the whole setting, seeing the black and gold in that corner of the, of the stadium. Um, it, there was not any denying us that day. You know, a great economist once said inflation is only present every year in one segment of our population, and that's in sports. I say that to say when you guys have this reunion, Peter Bain, why is it that the real statistics aren't anywhere like the stories that are told when you guys get to <laughs> the stories are so much more grandiose and nearly yeah. impossible to, to recreate. But the line of bull when these reunions take place is pretty significant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's going to remember remember everything just a little bit differently, a little bit more better. <laughs> more better. <laughs> hey, real quickly, we've got about 45 seconds left. I know you're from Birmingham originally, but uh, as I understand it, you work for Sanderson Farms. Uh, you, you've stayed in South Mississippi, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, yeah, I moved over here in, in 2009, and uh, we, we've made it home. My wife teaches out at uh, Longleaf Elementary in Oak Grove, and uh, she's from Alabama as well. She grew up in Spanish Fort, and um, we we just, uh, you know, I started working at Sanderson knowing that I just wanted to stay in Hattiesburg and uh, love the people here and um, love, love being here. So it's a nice... Nice little spot for both of our families, a little medium point, and um, we, we enjoy it a lot. Well, we're glad you're here, and we appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, hopefully when that reunion uh, kicks off, we can uh, get together and meet you face-to-face, Peter. Yeah, no doubt. Be looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right. Peter Bame, everybody. Punter from the 2011 championship football team and one of the organizers of the upcoming reunion. That should be fun, and hopefully we'll uh, be a part of that. We'll be back. Thank Peter Bain for joining us, a member of the 2011 Conference Championship team, and also, of course, want to thank Jeremy McLean for his uh, always willingness to uh, come on the Eagle Hour. We're grateful to him for that. D1 D-Bat, proud sponsors of our program, and we're proud to promote them each and every day. It's a great place to go if you're an athlete now and you want to fine-tune your game, get in a little better shape to play tennis or golf or whatever your sport may be. They've got a program to fit your needs, and if you have a child in your family that uh, strives to be the best they can be in baseball or softball, well, there's really no other place to take them than uh, D-Bat on Hardy Street. Uh, You can give them a call. They can tell you about their programs. They can tell you about the opportunities. have a lot of camps, I'm sure, during the course of the summer, and uh, just a lot of activities for every member of your family at D-1 and D-Bat, and we appreciate uh, them uh, coming on and uh, supporting the Eagle Hour. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, Larry Fedora on the show tomorrow, Austin Davis on the show Monday, Reggie Collier 
uh, on the show Tuesday, so uh, we're looking forward uh, to the next uh, several days uh, on the Eagle Hour. Kelly, what have you got in the news today? Just a couple of things, Bob. We actually broke the story yesterday on the Eagle Hour, and it has come to fruition. The Japanese government announced this morning that because of their increased incidences of COVID, they are going to eliminate spectators at the Olympics. They will go on beginning July 23rd. Now, remember, these were the Olympics that were supposed to be last year that were canceled completely because of COVID. Well, they will be staged beginning January, uh, July 23rd in Tokyo, but there will be no on-site spectators. So that's good news for NBC, who I'm sure would, would love to have great TV ratings, but bad news for folks who are going to be in Tokyo hoping to see firsthand the Summer Olympic Games. In college baseball, Southern Miss has placed two members on the All-American team, Reed Trimble uh, on the All-Freshman All-American team, Reed Trimble, the uh, second team uh, All-American, and Ben Etheridge, the pitcher uh, on the third All-American team. So congratulations to Reed Trimble and Ben Etheridge on their efforts. And a quick hello, a shout-out to a couple of uh, people who listen to this program regularly, actually from First Bank, Lee Kemp, who's uh, one of their officers over there, had a chance to have lunch with him. And, of course, First Bank, we're sitting right here in their studio, so to speak. So hello to Lee Kemp and to Pawpaw Miles. Pawpaw Miles listens to the show a good bit, goes goes back a long time in Southern Miss history, talking about Bubber Phillips and some of those players way back, even before you and I were around, Bob. So right. glad to have Pawpaw Miles uh, listening to the program. Can't say enough good things about First Bank. They're the original sponsor of this show uh, four years ago and continue to be the uh, studio sponsor. And, uh, of course, uh, Reggie Collier, the Perfect Ten, works at First Bank. He'll be on the show Tuesday. Going to be interesting to talk to Reggie uh, about a couple of things. Kelly, uh, I forget who the guest was uh, was with us a few days ago, but he he made kind of a poignant comment about Reggie Collier. And I'm going to ask him about this. He said, "Had Reggie Collier been a quarterback today, he would have signed a multi million dollar contract in the NFL to play quarterback, but that perhaps he was ahead of his time, and you know rather." bias thinking perhaps in that era prevented him from doing that but you know i've gotten to know reggie collier pretty well and i've been around him a good bit and he seems to hold absolutely no resentment about that no and he really likes where he is in life you know the things happen for a reason my my favorite reggie story was and he's very humble too you know considering the career that he had and uh and his grandchildren to his grandchildren he's just granddad or grandpa or papa or whatever they call him right Right, right. and so one of his grandchildren who got a little bit older started thinking for themselves you know was was talking to him about his southern miss career and well yeah i don't like to talk about it but yeah i did that and our team did this and and reggie said to his grandson he said uh, i'm on youtube i mean if it's really that important to you go to youtube you can practically find anything on there and i'm sure there's some southern miss highlights on there and he went on, went about his way. Well, the next couple of days or whatever, his grandson came up to him and said, I saw that stuff on YouTube, and there's no way that's you. And Richard said, no, no, it was me. He said, why would you say it's not me? He said, that guy that guy on YouTube is skinny. <laughs> he did tell us that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you know, something else Reggie Collier told me one time, you may have been there when he said it, he has no trophies in his house, no memorabilia hanging on the wall, just He's just a humble guy, man. I mean, there's no question about it. It's it's almost like it was a former life. 
You know, I'm, but right. I mean, you, right. you, you and I both did television, you right. know. That's and, a former life. Yeah, and, and my kids came, my kids never saw me on TV. Right. They never knew me to be on, on television. Same at my house. You know, now they've yeah. heard me on radio and several times I've said, Dad, did yeah. you have to say yeah. that? <laughs> right. And yours are probably like mine. They could care less. I mean, right. It's not like they tune in every day because I'm on the radio. I'll right. tell you, another pretty good quarterback will be on the show Monday, Austin Davis. He was pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, and you look at you look at the success of any team, Bob, it's going to start. And as rules continue to evolve on the college and pro level, they are always evolving to protect the quarterback more because the quarterbacks are the faces of the franchise. They're the guys that are usually making the big bucks, and those are the guys that the people come to see. And if you don't have a good quarterback, I don't care what else you have. You're probably not going far. That's right. And so we got two really good ones coming up. And we got a coach tomorrow that can tell you about how important quarterbacks are. Larry Fedora on the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We hope you'll join us. We appreciate you tuning in every day. Until next time, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.